the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. We need a president who respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon Easter. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins. Uh, We record this on a Friday morning, of course, which means we've got a good stock of the week's green issues to get through. The news agenda on this point never disappoints. The man with the environmental compass is the entrepreneur Dale Vince, and that compass is pinging like a good one this morning, Dale. Morning. Yeah, morning, Ian. How's things? It's good, yeah. And I tell you what, I wanted to start, and I think you're okay with this, with this Times Green Power List 2021, what they've called the UK's top 20 environmentalists. And um, I think it's fair to say it's thrown up some suspicious entries. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And emissions, actually. I mean, oh, I, I think emissions is probably the greater crime here. I think it might be. You know, you've got a lot Sharma in there. He's, you know, president of COP, so he's in there for that reason. I'm not sure he's an environmentalist, but I guess he's got some green power. Uh, but I'm not in there, which, uh, you know. Well, as the, the bloke that runs the only green energy company in the country. <laughs> that, that founded the industry, the market. The founder of the actual industry. That's kind of like just a bit weird. That's just sloppy journalism. Right? Builder of the nemesis, the electric highway, sky Yeah, I mean, all yeah, of that. All my, yeah. all my credentials. And I'm, I'm not in there. The, everything. I mean, it's like you'd have to be. I mean, if you were researching this story. From a journalist perspective, and you know, this is the bit I do know something about. You would, you know, straight away start. You know, if, if you knew nothing at all, you'd start with your friend Google, and you would start, you know, searching for environmentalists, energy, green, all of those things. You wouldn't have to put many combinations of those words in to come up with the name Dale Vince. Uh, and it's not like we're not known to the Times either. Well, know? indeed, I mean, there's also that. The fact is that anyone in this world would know your 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 backstory anyway they've run the odd headline calling me a wind tycoon for example yeah but But actually who is in it Hmm? the prime minister's wife is in it oh amazing (laughs) that's amazing i I mean seriously how would i mean with respect to carrie johnson and i'm sure she is you know on side and all the rest of it but I'm not quite sure how she would make it onto the list above somebody like, oh, um, yourself, for example. Maybe the theory is that she's got the ear of the prime minister or something else in her hand and uh, and she can, you know, push him in uh, in the green direction. We've seen no evidence of it yet in terms of, uh, you know, actual policy or anything. I, I saw that Eon came out with their own 10-point plan this week and the chief exec was very clear that Johnson's wasn't up to scratch, you know, the one we yeah. call the 10-pointless plan. And yeah. uh, where's the evidence that Carrie is actually having an influence on Boris? I, I don't see it. Yeah. And th- there's also uh, Zach Goldsmith is in there as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Zach is a reasonable entry, is he? I don't know. I remember interviewing him about 15 years ago, and he seemed well on top of this brief before many people were talking about it. But talking and doing are two different things. Yeah, I think he inherited the ecologist from from an uncle or something, and for a while was the editor. I met him in that phase of his life, and yeah, he was pretty uh, pretty right on with green stuff. But I don't know what he's done. Do you know what I mean? Apart from yeah, the yeah. famous Tory that gets green issues. Yeah, uh, but hey, no matter. Our friends at the Express are going to run the real green power list next week. 
Uh, right, well, there you go. And that would be extraordinary if you weren't on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that should be fun. And look, while we're on the subject of Express, I want to say this is really interesting. We had a catch-up call yesterday. We have one every week. And uh, we took around a few ideas for what we're going to cover next and stuff. The idea came up that the Express had done so much coverage on Eco Stories since we began this that uh, it would be really interesting to compare the amount of coverage the Express has made compared to, let's say, the Guardian, you know, fairly well known yeah, for yeah. covering eco issues. So while we we're on the call, somebody did some Googling and found that in the last month, the uh, the Guardian had done 190 articles on the environment and the Express had done 174. Wow. And, I mean, that's really close. Um, you know, they're running at about 90% of Guardian output. But if you look at the last six months, they were running at about 50 to 60%. So they're actually catching up really rather quickly. And we... We may see them surpass the Guardian in the next two to three months. Yeah, that's interesting. And what I think is even more interesting is that, I mean, the Guardian would cover these stories as a kind of just a default position, whereas the Express are covering these stories because they're genuinely on a learning curve here and have realized that this is where a huge chunk of news should be and that the audience they've typically had, which might not have followed these issues because they wouldn't be Guardian readers, uh, are the very audience that they need to bring these stories to. So there's almost a, in a weird way, there's a far greater philosophical kind of push on the Express's position here. Yeah, and I think it started out that way, saying, come on, let's do this, this is important. But the reason that they keep doubling down and, and you know increasing their commitment to this is the feedback of their audience. So to begin with, they were saying they had you know a lot of kind of angry stuff on uh, social media from readers and stuff that's all gone away. And all they're getting now is positive engagement from their audience. And so that is encouraging them to go further. And so the really exciting thing coming out of this for me is that audience of people that read the Daily Express are open to all of these messages uh, and this information about the climate crisis and everything related to that, about what we can do about it. They're open to that. And it's very akin to taking a football club like Forest Green and and giving them this, sharing with them this eco message as an audience of football fans, which seems very unlikely that they would embrace it, but they have. And here we have a great other example, Daily Express readers. And and if that uh, represents the wider audience in the country, and I'm sure that it does, then it's a very hopeful thing. Indeed. Having said all of that, here's a story from The Guardian. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Which, well, I say that. I mean, it's a story. It just happens to be in one of many areas of news. The UK government is failing to protect people from the fast rising risks of the climate crisis, from deadly heat waves to power blackouts. And this is according to the official climate advisors on this. Mm, Um, Kind of feeds back into stuff we've talked about a lot before. It does, yeah. One of the things I noticed in that story was that we've recorded 4,000 deaths in the last, I don't know, three or four years from heat, just from heat in our country. Wow. Another interesting eye-opener for me was that um, since the 1900s, the sea level around Britain has gone up 16 centimetres. Now, I think that's like six or seven inches in old money. And we're talking roughly half an inch a decade, which is no small amount. Um, But in the next 80 years, if we hit two degrees of global warming, which we're nailed on for at the moment, it's going to go up nearly twice as much in just the next 80 years. 
Uh, we're talking 100 centimetres of sea level rise, which yeah, is quite yeah. incredible. So, yeah, the Climate Change Committee have done this amazing job of pulling together all of the risks facing Britain from our current trajectory of climate change. And, and it's horrific. It's billions of pounds of cost to the economy, damage to infrastructure, habitat loss, all kinds of things. Yeah, and if you said to somebody, how many people have died of heat in the UK? Most people would go, well, none. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Because nobody knows this stuff. That's right. They're predicting that winters will be 30% wetter. For example, summers will be five degrees hotter. Uh, the, the Met Office came out this week and said there's a 90% chance that in the next five years we'll have the hottest summer in Britain ever recorded. 90%. Wow. That'll become the new normal. Yeah, and I was that that kind of like the, the extremes. You know, we just had a, a week of you know, 26, 28 degrees, and now it's absolutely pissing down. So That's right. That's like, right. Hang on a sec, what's going on here? We've got like this penciled in for 10 days, this rain. All right. And we've been noticing this in football, that we're getting more rain. And when we do get it, it's more intense. And the drains in our pitch are not actually now capable of dealing with the weather that we have. So yeah. we're having to redesign for, for the climate crisis, basically. But they're predicting you know, far wetter, more intense rain, more often 30% 30, 30 more wetness in the winter. I mean, that sounds like a horrible place to live. Not good. Uh, here's a question which kind of in a way feeds into this. Clive on Twitter says, do you think politicians who fail to tackle climate change could one day be found guilty for crimes against the, the planet? I can certainly see that, you know, that there being a point where we apply criminal law to this area. Yeah, I think there's some sense in that. I mean, they are our leaders. I say that with a kind of funny look on my face. I don't feel they, they lead me, but they are leaders of the country. They make policy, they make laws, don't they? So, I mean, we're finding at the moment courts are holding fossil fuel companies responsible in terms of now forcing them to set uh, zero carbon targets that are in accordance with uh, the Paris Agreement. It can't be long before they're held responsible for the historic emissions, the role that they have played, not just in causing the climate crisis, but denying it for decades and disabling international action to tackle it because they've been doing that with a disinformation campaign. That can't be far away. And it's a short hop from there to say, hey, leaders of the countries at this time were responsible for what didn't get done. Yeah. And if you look in the news today, EasyJet have just announced a whole bunch of new domestic flights in our country. I mean, that's pulling in totally the opposite direction to sensible countries like France and actually obviously what we need in terms of cutting emissions. Yeah. So EasyJet are going to allow people to fly from Birmingham to Cornwall for £22.99. It's, it's wow. barely a penny per mile. If you catch a train, you're, you're talking about spending nearly a pound per mile. And at the root of that, this is the link, is, is government policy because flying is tax-free. It's made absurdly cheap, 20 quid to fly to Cornwall, um, and, and that's driving the climate crisis amongst they other things. They can't make any money on that, surely, can they? <laughs> it's hard to believe, isn't it? I mean, 20 quid, I mean, you probably, I'm, I'm assuming that those, those flights wouldn't be full either. I mean, they might be, I don't know, but, I, you know, I'm, I, can, I can imagine 20 people on yeah, I, guess I guess they're smaller planes, but uh, you know, they, they have a business model that works. And a big part of that is being yeah, tax-free, tax not just yeah, climate yeah. impact-free. They should pay for their climate impact, uh, or yeah. industry should. But they're actually tax-free. There's no tax on the fuel. Uh, if, for an international flight, of course, you get duty-free, uh, yeah. all, all kinds of perks to encourage people to fly when it's the worst thing that we can do, the worst way to travel. Yeah. It's interesting. Just another the, the kind of flip side of that, though. I interviewed a guy from Brittany Ferries this week, and they're investing – or hoping to invest, the technology is kind of, you know, f sort of early stages in these kind of hover planes, which are essentially gliders uh, that just hover just above the water. They've got wings and stuff. 
Um, and I think the Russians used them years ago, and they've now been modified. So if it goes to plan, there's apparently a startup company, and I think I think you said in New York, that are designing this, the, this kind of young team of people. And Brittany Ferries want to do trips from the UK to France on these things. Incredibly yeah. environmentally friendly. Take there, 50 people, it would take you about, eight, uh, I think, 60 minutes or something to get there. Because they're that's electric, the future, isn't right? it? They're environment friendly because they're electric. Isn't Correct. It? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's a big deal. I saw the images uh, and read the headlines of that yeah, story. Yeah. And, and they're going to do about 180 miles an hour. I don't know if you already said that. Right. Yes. But yeah. the thought that struck me is the English Channel is the busiest shipping lane in the world. Yeah. All right. And you want something doing 180 mile an hour crisscrossing that? Yeah. It, yes. That's the. <laughs> That's the thing. I said I did raise that with the guy, and he said, "Yeah, well, we've got to be." Here. He said, "But by the same token, you know, the, the the kind of ships that are going over are full of shit." He didn't say that, by the way. <laughs> a bit of strange PR line from the official man from Brittany Ferries, but you know, he was talking about environmentally the, the catastrophe that also is you know shipping as well as planes. So, yeah, but they're going along the English Channel these ships, and the planes are going to go across them. You know, yeah. I see a conflict. And normally, planes fly up above ships, but these ones are going to be flying at ship level. That's right, yeah. Slightly, they clearly got to get their bearings right. I, I, I'd like to think they might have thought about that. And this is kind of a game of, remember, battleships as a kid, you know, mm. seven. <laughs> uh, maybe that's <laughs> start. Uh, you've taken out a ferry. Never mind. <laughs> it's interesting talking about criminality and what politicians don't do and should be doing. Um, NASA um, have reported that the Earth is trapping an unprecedented amount of heat. Now, the last time I looked, some pretty switched-on characters work for NASA. So if NASA say that, isn't the natural follow-on that our political masters would act on this kind of thing? I think it's just another piece of information to confirm the situation we're in, isn't it? You know, the, the Earth is warming. We know that. Um, and it's CO2 emissions, man-made CO2 emissions that are causing it. I think this is just a further piece in the information puzzle that confirms that. But what is interesting is that, you know, people say, so Greta Thunberg, you know, says oh, the, the earth is, is warming up, the heat, that it's blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's a contingent of people who will write that off and say, well, what does she know? You know, she's a teenage girl who's got a fascination with green things. She doesn't know anything. And people will write that off. And then NASA come along and say, actually, what she just said is completely right. Look, we've got all the data here. Uh, you'd think that would be enough to kind of tip the balance for countries to go, right, we have to act on this because if we don't act on this, something rather bad is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Greta is just a teenager, arguably, but she's a teenager with access to Google. And this is where we can all find this information. This is where NASA put their information out and, and news outlets as well, you know. I mean, this won't be news to most people of in, course. in power. You know, we, th these are facts. This is just another one of them stories that confirms what we already know. There's a climate crisis in progress. Here's a great one from Helen who says, Dale, I'm working on a new net zero business idea. I've got some support from my local angel investor group, but how do I go about getting a pitch in front of you? I'd love just 15 minutes of your time, even if putting cash in isn't for you. Ah, how interesting. Um, we get pitches all of the time and we've got involved in a few things over the years that have come our way. And for a while, we've been kicking around this idea of running a green version of Dragon's Den. Nice. Uh, because I think that the the show format is interesting, but the, the execution is uh, abusive, inherently abusive of the contestants, let's call them. You know, it's about humiliation and, uh, and also it's about kind of 
what the what the dragons can get from the contestants you know they're really interested in how much what percent of the business they can take for as little money as possible you know it's kind of usury in that respect and i think there's a need for a different version of that where green business people can help support startups with mentoring with pointers possibly with cash but not always but in a decent uh, environment you know that doesn't doesn't humiliate people in the way that reality tv seems to really need to do and yeah. As it happens, we're about to shoot a pilot version of that to see how that works. And we are looking for people to take part in it, Helen. So if you want to send me an email, we'll, we'll stick you on a list of possible yeah. participants. I've just been given a note from your one of your handlers, Dale. It oh. says that we will get in touch uh, with Helen. Uh, okay. To uh, nice. Up, which is, <laughs> I like that. But you're right, because what, what, what tends to happen on, you know, Dragon's Den, I, I caught an episode a couple of weeks back, and, you know, some fella turned, I can't remember what the idea was. Um, and, you know, he wasn't a businessman. He was just a man with an idea, you know, and he, he turns up and he, he's very nervous and he describes what he's made, you know, a coat hanger that turns into a wardrobe or something. And he says, look, this is fantastic. And, you know, Peter Jones or one of them says, uh, give us your profit and loss for quarter three, year six, and or something like this. And the guy's yeah. like, what? Sorry, what? You don't know? It's like, well, no, I've just got an idea. That's why I'm here. I'm here because you're the dragons. Yeah. I'm here. I don't know this stuff. You know this stuff. That's why I've come to see you. Yeah. Well, if you don't know this stuff, you shouldn't be here. We're like, well, hang on. This is meant to be about innovation and people who aren't necessarily or instinctively in that world, but just yeah. have an idea but don't know how to further it. That's yeah. the point, isn't it? Yeah, I think that I think the the dragons overrate themselves. You know, I've watched a couple of episodes. I did a screen test once a few years ago uh, to be to be on the show. I told them I'd be their green dragon. You know, um, and I'd support businesses with sustainable outcomes. But you know, these these are just kind of I don't know. To an extent, people that have got lucky in business, actually, yeah, I think. Yeah. You know, I don't rate them particularly. I don't rate their opinions. I don't think anybody going on the show should either. You I know? think they'd bite your hand off if you were there today, to be honest, <laughs> given the, the way the agenda has changed. But I think what you're doing is probably a far more credible uh, kind of push in that direction. Yeah, it's, it's important to treat people better than they do, you know. And, and you know, not everybody's idea is a good one, but there are decent ways to tell people that. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, just a final story then. Ronaldo telling kids to drink water wipes billions off Coke's share price. And this is, of course, the story where Ronaldo, uh, we tend to forget, because uh, Ronaldo seems to have been around since about 1953. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I find it a staggering that we talked about this on the radio. It was 2006. Remember when he crunched Rooney in the castanets on the... Uh, at the Euros and, and gave a wink to the camera as he walked off. I mean, that was like 16, 15 years ago, and he's still playing, and he's still top of his game as well. However, um, he, of course, turned up at the press conference. There was a couple of bottles of Coca-Cola there. They're the sponsors, or one of the sponsors, of, of Euro 2020, and he removed them and, you know, essentially said, drink water, and uh, Coke lost billions from its share price and then i think didn't you do a thing on tv about this as well dale yeah when on bbc breakfast tv that was a hoot um <laughs> I, yeah i had a, had a chat with a guy called dr chris and, and i'd never met him or heard of him before but we got into the subject of you know what ronaldo did and sport washing of of you know crappy things like junk food and, yeah. and gambling and stuff like that and um we got deeply into processed food. I was I was well impressed because it was you know primetime breakfast TV. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, we got into it. Salt, sugar, and fat, the three staples of processed food by which these companies are profiting from poisoning us and particularly poisoning our children. And sport is complicit in this because it allows these companies to sport wash their products, to normalize these products in the eyes of people, especially kids. And uh, yeah, we, we got to say all of that on Good. CTV. I spoke to, um, on this very subject, I did a kind of an interview with a marketing kind of expert, sports marketing expert. And and I, the first question I said to her was, I mean, Coca-Cola must think it's Christmas because they've kicked out like, a lot of junk food from areas. Gambling is under the spotlight. Um, cigarettes used to sponsor motorsport. And yet, event after event, Coca-Cola are hanging on in there. And the last time I looked, this stuff is loaded. In fact, they don't even hide it. It's loaded with sugar. Hmm. I know. I think it's something like nine teaspoons of sugar in a full yeah. fat Coke, you know. Yeah. I mean, that is incredible. Can you imagine asking for a cup of tea with nine, <laughs> nine sugars? <laughs> you get some funny looks. You certainly would, yeah. Nine, please. <laughs> uh, beautiful. Um, that's it, Dale, for this week. We'll speak in a week's time. Yeah, fab. Thanks, Ian. Good Catch man. Later. That's it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, to follow the podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Please leave a review there as well. Always good to leave your review. Uh, really important bit, make sure you follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince and facebook.com slash dalevince. And we'll be back in a week. Zero carbon. East off.